Welcome to the Valley Point Podcast. Valley Point Church is a faith community located in Glen Mills, Pennsylvania. Our mission is pointing people to real relationships and real significance. This week continues our series, Unanswered. Enjoy and thanks for listening. Well, if you're new with us, welcome. We're very glad that you're here today. Or if maybe you're just stepping into this series for the first time, welcome back. You just made it because we are concluding our summer teaching series called Unanswered. And in this series, we've been taking a variety of questions, commonly asked questions, but questions that are a little bit difficult to answer. And so we've looked at scripture to try to determine how would God want us as Christians, as Christ followers, to respond to these questions, to our surroundings to culture in general. And this has been, a, a personally, a very challenging series for me. It's, it's made me think a lot, and hopefully it has for you as well. And if you've missed any of these, you can go online at valleypointchurch.com and click on Messages, and you can download and listen to these, and I think it'll be very beneficial for you. But today we get to wrap up a season, really, right? I know we're trying to fight these last couple of weeks, but summer is coming to an end. Boo, right? But it's okay because fall is coming and fall is a wonderful season and we have lots planned here at Valley Point. So be here, be involved. And in the coming weeks, a couple of things that are happening, Pastor Eric's going to be leading us through a teaching series based on the vision map of Valley Point Church. So If you've been coming and you've been wondering, why do you do church the way you do it? Or perhaps, why don't you do certain things? Or what what are you all about? So Eric's going to walk through all of that with us and then kind of share with us God's unique calling on Valley Point Church and how we intend to point people to real relationships and real significance. So be here in the coming weeks and look forward to that. But again, today we get to finish this series with one final question. Are you ready for this? Here's our question for today. How can we avoid having a Bible-ish Christianity? Bible-ish, what does that even mean? What does ish mean? Well, perhaps you have noticed people are beginning to put this little tagline on the end of words and phrases. And for me, it was kind of one of these really annoying things. I didn't find a whole lot of purpose to it. It sounded really bad and there's no grammatical value here. And I fought it, but of course, I started using it, just like everyone else. And maybe you haven't noticed this, or maybe you're just now having a revelation moment. You're like, oh yeah, I've been seeing that everywhere. I've even started to do that. And you can use ish on anything, right? So for instance, we can even tag time frames with this. I don't even know how this works, but for instance, you want to grab lunch? Sure. Well, what time? How about one-ish? Sure. One-ish is good. Well, when are we actually meeting, right? Another conversation is going to have to occur to determine, okay, what exact time are we meeting? Because one-ish to me could be 12.45, one-ish to use, 1.15, and I'm sitting there for half an hour wasting my time, and that just doesn't work. But for some, for some reason, we, we, we tend to use this ish thing with time frames. Or perhaps someone gets a new car. Oh, you got a new car. Well, what color is it? That's blue-ish, Right? Or you can even put it on the end of whole sentences. Yeah, I was going the speed limit-ish, right? Or maybe you've, you've done this. Or maybe you've heard your kids do this. Well, I didn't lie. 
It was true-ish, right? And so we, we continue to use this, and it's flying around, and I've just come to the acceptance phase of this word. But I don't think it's entered into Webster's Dictionary yet. I don't think it's quite made it that far. So here's a working definition, just for sake of our conversation today. So what is ish? So ish is taking the meaning of a word and making it less exact. So it's kind of, it's sort of, or somewhat. Most of the time, not a big deal. We use it. People sort of understand what we're saying. It's actually kind of helpful at times. But in certain areas, in certain circumstances, especially when it becomes to involve our beliefs or truth found in Scripture, it's kind of important at some point to sort of land the plane. What is true? And if it's blue, let's call it blue. And if it's bluish, let's not try to make it something it's not because, quite frankly, we are beginning to confuse a lot of people, including ourselves. And confusion is one of the great tools of the enemy, Satan, to keep us from accomplishing what God wants for us in our faith, because confusion brings doubt. And then all of a sudden, I'm doubtful, and I'm not so confident in sharing my faith with others, because there's all this stuff in Scripture that's really good, and I love it, and I I think it's great, there's this one thing or these couple things that I'm just having a really hard time believing that. Well, it's important for us to walk through this. It's important to continue to question, continue to search, because it's going to be harmful for us in the long run. And let's just be honest. The Bible, it's a little confusing. There's a lot of information inside of it. It was written a long time ago. The world was totally different. Context is completely different. And so it's not always intuitive for us to just read the Bible and, oh, yeah, I get it. And I think that's okay. I think that's a tension that we need to manage as modern-day Christians. But we can't just let that prevent us from reading Scripture. Here's a couple interesting facts about just the Bible in general before we really jump into things. Interesting fact number one, the Bible is still the best-selling book of all time. That hasn't changed. Interesting fact number two, and this blew me away. It's estimated that Americans spend a half billion, with a B, billion dollars a year buying Bibles. I mean, that's crazy. The Bible's a classic, isn't it? You know how Mark Twain defined a classic. It's a book that everyone praises, but no one actually reads. The Bible, right? We could say that this is church, so, so we can make that joke here. But in the book, Unanswered, Jeremiah Johnston says this, Attempting to be a Christian without the Bible is no different from attempting to strengthen your body by depriving yourself of nutrition and sleep. It just doesn't work. He goes on to state that he believes that the churches in America are largely malnourished and biblically illiterate. That seemed a bit harsh to me, right? Like, you don't know me. Come on, man, give us a break here. Could that be true? Could that actually be true at Valley Point Church? And I struggled with this, but think of it like this. 
How many times or how often do us as individuals, myself included, outside of this room on Sunday morning, actually read the Bible? How much time do we spend outside of this room actually studying the Bible? All of a sudden, I kind of became less confident in my own ability to prioritize spiritual nutrition because the Bible, it's the, it's the source of spiritual nutrition. And this has been a growth area for me in these past several years. I've had a growing desire to read Scripture, to study it, to understand it, and to not just know what it's saying, but how does God want me to implement that into my everyday living right here, right now, where I live, in the time that I live, with the current circumstances all around me? How does he want me to apply this into my life? And I've had a growing love and a growing respect for the Bible. It's unparalleled words. It's inspired, life-changing, living and breathing words of God. I mean, this book's amazing. No other book can claim these things. But still, still I find myself lacking prioritizing Scripture as I should regularly in my life. And here's what I've found. A major way to avoid having a Bible-ish Christianity is our big idea for today, and it's this. Ready for your minds to be blown. God wants us to read his word, the Bible, right? You can't believe that. No, you've heard this. This isn't a surprise. This isn't controversial. I mean, if you're here and you believe in God, then of course he would want us to read his word, right? But I think this phrase has some deeper meaning for it. Because when I think about it, God wants me, right here, me, as an individual, Ben. He wants me to read his word and to study his word. It's kind of an amazing thing when you think about it. God wants you to read and study the Bible. I think he, he wants a little bit more from us than coming here on Sunday mornings and have the Bible read to us, which is great. It's important. We should do that. I think he wants a little bit more from us than just coming here and having the Bible explained to us. I think that's fine when we just get started in our faith. But I think once you follow Christ for years, and I think a little bit more can be expected of us, of myself, when it comes to reading and studying Scripture. So here's a little exercise for us today, just to sort of illustrate a point, if you will. There's going to be some phrases that we're going to float on the screen here. So what I want you to do is go ahead and put those up. I want you to take a look at these phrases, and here's what I want you to do. And don't answer this out loud. It's not intended to make you feel bad or embarrass anyone. So look at these phrases and and sort of determine, okay, which one of these phrases come from Scripture and which one of them are sort of just nice, commonly used, maybe things that you would even say at times. So kind of read through those and think through that because 
It's not easy, right? I'm sure you're sort of doubting, okay, I'm pretty sure that one's in there. Not exactly sure where, but I'm not too sure about that one. And maybe these are things we all come across at times that a friend says, and you're like, oh, I, I think that's in Scripture. I think that's in the Bible. If not, it should be, because that's really good, right? We all do that. I'm sure by this time you're really wanting me to tell you which one of these comes from the Bible, right? Well, they all do. Ah, trick question. Well, I don't do that to frustrate you, and I know I'm kind of being obnoxious with this, but I do it to prove a point. And I had a difficult time with this, so let's just, <laughs> let's just put it out there. We are bombarded with all sorts of nice phrases, encouraging words, really good messages, especially when it comes to social media. There's nothing wrong with that, nothing wrong at all. It's helpful, it's inspirational, it helps motivate us. But I think it's important for us to be able to determine actual truth from Scripture the source of truth, and then something that someone perhaps came up with. It's really nice, it's really encouraging, but it can't be held to the same standard as Scripture. In order to help us think through this, because I think we can learn to discern truth, and to help us, we're going to enlist the help of a man named Timothy in the Bible. Timothy was a young leader He was a mentee of Paul, the Apostle Paul. We've talked about Paul before. He was one of the early church leaders, and he championed spreading the good news to the Gentiles, and he would travel around the whole Mediterranean area setting up and establishing churches. He did this about a dozen different times. And so Timothy, as a young man, he began to train Timothy and teach him what it meant to be a leader especially a leader in charge of a church. And when he was ready, he put Timothy in charge of a church in a city named Ephesus. Timothy did a good job, but a lot of problems started to arise in this church. One of them being that the Christians, those in the church, were really beginning to undervalue Scripture. What they valued, what what they really liked to do is they loved to debate current affairs. And they love to debate what we should and shouldn't do. And Paul begins to write a letter to Timothy. And he couldn't visit the church in person. He was in prison at the time, not because he did anything wrong, but because he was preaching about Jesus and Rome didn't like that. And so anyone who gained popularity, which Paul did, they would throw in prison so they couldn't preach. And so he would begin to write. And these letters are found as part of Scripture for us today. And he writes to Timothy and says, here's what needs to be done in the church. And this is found in 1 Timothy chapter 4, verses 9 through 6, 6 through 9. If you explain these things to the brothers and sisters, now that was just how, you, how they would say these are the people inside of the church. These are Christians, so brothers and sisters. Timothy, you will be a worthy servant of Christ Jesus, one who is nourished by the message of faith and the good teaching that you have followed, Scripture. Do not waste time arguing over godless ideas and old wives' tales. Instead, train yourself to be godly. Physical training is good, but training for godliness is much better, promising benefits in this life and in the life to come. Then you got to love this last phrase, and Paul does this a couple times. This is a trustworthy statement, and everyone should accept it. 
<laughs> Wouldn't recommend going into your next staff meeting with that. This is the next big thing we're doing, and everyone should accept it. Unless you're the boss, of course, that works. But for the rest of us, not a good strategy. And I think Paul knew, I'm going to write this letter. Timothy's going to read it to the church, and they're going to debate about it. Because it's what they love to do. Is this really from Paul? Is this really trustworthy? Should we implement all of this, or is just some of this right? So Paul wanted to make it very clear. This is all trustworthy, and everyone needs to accept it. This isn't coming from me. This is coming from God himself. Physical exercise. It's important. It's necessary. Debate. It's important. Very necessary. But let us not undervalue spiritual training. Valley Point Church, let's not undervalue the training for godly living. After all, Paul says that's the training that has benefit in this life and in eternity. Let's focus on that. This was one of the earliest churches, and they were already beginning to undervalue the importance and necessity of reading and studying Scripture. And what happened was many teachers began to gain popularity, and they were teaching false things specifically about salvation. And they were saying we have to do all of these different things to earn our salvation, to earn a right standing between us and God. And there were certain things we had to do. There were certain rules we had to uh, go by. We had to eat certain things. And so there were all these stipulations on how to earn salvation. And Timothy, the whole time, is like, guys, that's, that's just not true. That's Scripture has clearly told us that it's through trusting in Jesus alone. That's where salvation comes from. That's how we earn a right standing before God. It's through his son, Jesus, with nothing else added. But the Christians inside of the church began to follow the teachings of these false teachers. And it was their lack of biblical knowledge that led them away from truth. It led them away instead of towards truth. And it wasn't intentional, but it happened. So how can we avoid this today for us as individuals, as a church? How can we avoid the same thing happening to us with all of these messages and and great things floating around everywhere? How can we truly discern what's true and what's not? And I think we can. I think we can do this. And the, the, the big word for this, the theological term for this is, is hermeneutics, but it's basically reading scripture, understanding it, and interpreting it to what it means for us today. And this isn't just for the trained professionals, okay? Because remember our big idea, God wants me to read and study the Bible. God wants you to read and study the Bible. So I think there's some, some really great tools for us that we can implement that will help us be able to determine these things. And before we jump into them, I want to put some things into perspective. Think of it like this. Physical training, exercise, getting in shape. It's not easy, right? We all know that. It's very difficult. It takes a lot of time. It takes a lot of commitment. We don't intuitively know the right things to put into our bodies. We have to find out what has nutritional value, 
Well, what doesn't? What should we avoid? What makes our heart healthy? What makes our brain function the best that it can? What helps our our muscles and our bones? And then you have all these marketers come in and say, this is what's healthy for you to eat. And you start eating it, and then you find out, oh, that wasn't healthy at all. So how can we determine what's actually good for us and who's trying to make a buck? And so we investigate it, and we research, and we put time in, and we study, and we do some trial and error. And there's some frustrating days, some days we want to give up. It's just too hard. Because after all, sometimes you just want a Big Mac, It's just, there's those days, and then you recover from that greasy mess, and and you get back up, and you try again, and you persevere, because it's good for us to try to live healthy, physical lives. The same is true when it comes to spiritual nutrition, spiritual health. It's not easy. It takes time. It takes commitment. It takes investigation. It takes knowing and being able to, to discern, okay, what are people trying to tell me is true, and then what is actual truth? And it's not always intuitive for us to know. So we have to spend time in. We have to spend time in reading and studying and asking questions and getting help here and there, putting in the time to find discernment. So here are some tools for us. As we read the Bible, first tool, Gain some context. This has been very helpful for me personally. And one of the ways we can do this is just ask questions. So instead of just starting to read and making assumptions, let's get a little background. So ask a couple of questions. Ask, who is the author of this particular text? And learn the different authors in Scripture. Learn their jobs, their professions, their personalities, their writing styles, because God inspired all of the Bible, but he used different individuals with different personalities and writing styles. And so we can get a lot out of just getting a little context for who wrote what we're reading. A study Bible is an easy solution for finding this out. It's not hard information to find. A Google search. Be careful on Google, as always, because there's lots of crazy things out there. But for the most part, there's very little controversy over who wrote the book's of the Bible. And so do some research. Learn who it is, and then ask another question. Ask, okay, well, who is he writing this particular text to? So what's the context for why he's writing this? Is this a blanket statement for all humanity? Everyone, this is for everyone. Or is this a statement for Christians? And it's really not for people who haven't taken that step of faith Or is it for a particular group of individuals that is addressing a particular issue? And so take some time and study. Get a good Bible, study Bible with commentary. It's very helpful to figure out, okay, who is writing this and why? Or who are they writing it to? And then ask a third question, which is very helpful, is what was the original intent of the author? Because we can put all sorts of assumptions into what we're reading. But try to figure out, okay, why is he actually writing this to these people? For instance, we took some time, and I kind of took us through who was the author of the piece of Scripture we read. It was Paul. He wrote to 1 Timothy. That's why it's called, or he wrote it to Timothy. That's why it's called 1 Timothy. Some issues were happening in the church, and he had to address some of these issues. And this isn't just stuff 
I know, I, I just researched it and figured it out and, and helped us all gain context by sharing what was happening in the storyline because things were very different. And when we do this, oftentimes we could kind of jump into the middle of a story sometimes and we read something that's really harsh and really angry, and we're like, wow, that was really an overreaction. I mean, this book is just full of angry people writing angry things. But we fail to realize that was maybe the third time that he had to address this particular group of people. There were two other times where much grace was extended, and there was nicer language, and you really need to help, you really need to figure some things out. Well, we jump into the last step, like with your kids. You ask them nicely the first time, you apply a little bit of pressure the second time, and then by the third time, you're using middle names, you're yelling, and you're telling them all this stuff. And someone walks into the middle of that, they're like, whoa, man, he is a jerk, right? But they don't get it. They don't get the context. They don't know my kids and what they need to motivate them. And so you can't just jump into the middle of a story and expect to automatically understand the context. So gain some context. Do more than just read the Bible. Study the Bible. Read some chapters before that. Read some chapters after that. Set some context for yourself. It's going to help you immensely, especially when, when these stories appear. It's like, wow, man, that just sounds, that just sounds harsh. So that's our, our, our tool number one, gain, gain context. Tool number two, prayerfully read the Bible. Because we all run into walls when it comes to reading Scripture. And we're going to reach a point where we just don't get it or we're really struggling with something that it's telling us, go to God with those concerns, with those questions, with those doubts. He's not going to be angry at you. Are you ever angry when your kids are just trying to understand what you're trying to teach them? No. You want them to learn for themselves why this is true and pray and ask God, confirm these things in my heart. Give me confidence in the truth that you're saying in your word because I'm struggling with this. Don't be afraid to do that, but don't let your doubts define your faith. Keep searching, keep moving, persevere, and prayerfully read the Bible. Tool number three, seek truth. Don't seek what you want to be the truth. There's a difference. Seek truth. There's a very compelling very challenging set of verses that Paul writes again in a second letter so to Timothy. It's found in 2 Timothy chapter 4, verses 3 and 4. He says, For a time is coming when people will no longer listen to right teaching. They will follow their own desires and will look for teachers who will tell them whatever they want to hear. They will reject the truth and follow strange myths. If you look for someone to agree with you, you're going to find them. You're eventually going to find them, but it's not necessarily the best thing for you. And I get to talk to a lot of individuals about spiritual things, spiritual questions. One of the things I, I love most about uh, what I get to do here at Valley Point, I can spend hours talking about things that would bore you to death. And I even like debating about scripture and interpretations. And I think that's healthy. But I get very disheartened and even sad when I sort of come to the conclusion that the individual I'm speaking to really isn't looking for scriptural, biblical truth. 
They're trying to find someone who will agree with them or find some hidden verse somewhere that they just haven't found yet that's going to make it all make sense for them and make truth make sense for them. And it just doesn't work like that. And I wish it did. Trust me, I struggle with this myself. There are things in the Bible that I wish weren't there. I do. There are things that God said that I just really wish he would have left alone. I know Jesus said that, but surely he had to have mean something different, right? I mean, it's just hard sometimes. That doesn't make sense to me. And there's, some, there's, there's a helpful piece of Scripture, many of them actually, but one in particular I wanted to share with you, that if this is where you're, you are, then I hope this will help. It has helped me. It's found in the book of Isaiah. This is an Old Testament uh, piece of Scripture written much before the time of Paul. This was Isaiah, a prophet, had some of the most profound and deep facts about God. And so in verse number 8, we read, My thoughts are nothing like your thoughts, says the Lord, and my ways are far beyond anything you could imagine. For just as the heavens are higher than the earth... So my ways are higher than your ways, and my thoughts higher than your thoughts. So here is what I would encourage us. Be cautious. Be extremely cautious when we begin to discredit a clearly established truth in Scripture. It's kind of dangerous territory for us, especially as Christ followers. And be cautious not to rely on your own reasons. Because I don't know about you, (laughs) but I can justify just about anything. I'm really good at it. I can give all sorts of really great reasons for really bad actions. And I have a feeling you're really good at that too. Be very cautious when you put your trust in your own thoughts. Because, again, I don't know about you. But my thoughts are usually self-serving because I want truth to be easy. I want it to make sense to me. I want it to be comfortable. I don't want it to be controversial. I want it to make me feel really good inside, warm and bubbly. But remember, God is a very good God. God is a good God. And God is a just God. And by the way, do you really, I mean, if you're honest, do you really want to serve a God who functions completely within the scope of your own understanding? Like, you can, you understand everything he says and everything he does and why he does it. I don't. That sounds like a pretty small God to me, if I can understand everything he says and does. I want a God whose reasons are far above and far beyond any reasons that I can come up with. I want a God whose thoughts are so much higher than my thoughts that I could never comprehend his wisdom. And he sees the the scope of humanity. And he sees the scope of eternity. That's the God that I want to serve. And that's the God who I believe is the God of the Bible. So here's what I think our challenge is for us today. 
Let's raise the value of spiritual nutrition in our lives. Let's just do that. Let's raise the value of Scripture and reading it and studying it on our own, outside of this room. Let's not settle for a Bible-ish Christianity. Let's seek truth. And let's find truth. And when we do find it, let's call it what it is. Let's continue to wrestle with questions. Let's prayerfully take our questions and our concerns to our God and Father. And then let's trust Him. Let's let His reasons, let's trust His thoughts are superior to my own thoughts. And He knows things and He understands things that I will never understand. And He never promised us that we would understand what He does. The Bible never promises us that we'll agree with everything He says. It just says, trust. He is a good God. He's a trustworthy God. And let us read the Bible. God wants me to read the Bible. He wants you to read the Bible. Would you pray with me as we wrap up today's talk? God, thank you for the words found in Scripture. Thank you for your understanding and, 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 and your thoughts. And thank you that you're a God that functions well above what we could ever come up with on our own. But that's not always easy for us, and you know that. You created us. You know it's not easy for us to accept a lot of the things that we read. But let us trust in you and let us embrace truth. Let us apply it into our everyday living. And let us be confident in how we live and continue to raise the value of spiritual nutrition in our lives. Help Valley Point Church to champion that as a church in this community. Let our lives reflect your love for others. And we pray these things in your son Jesus' name. Thanks for listening. We'd also love to have you join us on any Sunday morning as well at the Garnet Valley Middle School at 9.15 or 11 a.m.